Georgia lawyers Bob and Irreverent D talk law. Listen up for stories about how things really happen in our legal system. Who are these guys? Dwayne Singleton, Irreverent D, is a criminal defense attorney in the state of Georgia. Benjamin O. Benson, a.k.a. Bob is a personal injury attorney in Atlanta. On today's episode, vocal warm-ups. Now, sit back and take a listen as Bob and Irreverent D talk law. All right, thank you for joining the Bob and Irreverent D talk law podcast. We're joined by Hillary from Frontline Response today. Uh, We're going to be talking about the organization she works with and the important work that they're doing. And as always, we're joined by Dwayne Singleton, Irreverent D. I'll be more reverent today. Today. Bring it down a little bit. Today, we're well, we're going to be more um, serious, but, um, but not boring. Listen, today we're going to be talking about something that is super important to me is super important to Hillary, is super important to Dwayne, and it should be super important to you. So important that you do something about it. Understand, and I think everybody here understands, that there is a serious problem in our community, in our city, and in our state, where women, children, young adults are being sexually exploited by people for money. And uh, and that needs to stop. We are committed to doing everything that we can to stop it, to raise awareness. And we want to have, uh, we have Frontline Response on today to talk about what they're doing on the front lines to make sure that they're, uh, that they're rescuing these people uh, who are being exploited. Well, education is so important. Education for judges, for prosecutors, for local law enforcement so that they can recognize the things they need to be looking for so they can identify potential victims because there's a lot of victims out there that may just look like a shoplifter or may look like somebody on drugs, but is actually a victim of being sex trafficked. Um, And that's what I really want to make sure that we're educating people on so that they don't ignore it and just say, well, they're just a bad person. No, they're a bad person because they're in a bad, bad situation where somebody is, really taking serious advantage of them. Yeah, um, what I, I I'm going to take issue with your words. I have a difficult time when people use the word trafficking. I know that's the accepted word, right? But it suggests that it's like a it's like a tra- it's like a uh, inconvenience for getting to work. Well, it, right. Well, when you think about like people in the back of a transfer trailer truck, it's not always. Right. You could be in the passenger seat of a car. Right. Or they could have given you a plane ticket. Right. right. That's right. The um, the problem is that the words that we use to describe what we're talking about are important. These um, the people who are trapped in this, who are enslaved by it. They're not. I mean, traffic is just such a easy word to say and, and not actually have a mindset of what it means. Right. There are people who are being sexually abused for money. And there are people in our community, sick people, who are paying to do it. And it's got to stop. Anyways, one of the things that we're talking let's talk about the news. Because this is actually in the news. And now, the news. 
uh, in the Court of Appeals of Georgia just recently issued a ruling on a case involving this, this criminal defendant named Burnett. And here are the underlying facts. Uh, Burnett was arrested for and was convicted by a jury of trafficking for ser- sexual servitude a minor, a person who was under the age of 18. Um, and he appealed that judgment saying, listen, um, I didn't provide her for sexual servitude, um, so my conviction should be overturned. And the Court of Appeals said, oh, no, 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 you you did provide her as uh, for sexual servitude. Um, the hotel room that she was staying at under your name the phone number that the people who were paying to have sex with her is your phone number, right? If that's not providing, we don't know what is, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That's essentially what the Court of Appeals said. So, Hillary, tell us, like, is this stuff that, that happens? It seems really, like, bizarre and unusual. Unfortunately, this is very common. We see this over and over again where traffickers are you know, using their phone, paying for the hotel room and um, sexually exploiting and really having men and women come in and pay to rape them in hotels. I mean, you're talking about language and being clear about what it is. Um, Let's call it what it is. Yeah. And we see this. We at Frontline, we're part of a lot of sting operations where they're trying to catch pedophiles um, who are trying to purchase sex online. Um, And you see man after man coming in, they think they're coming to have sex with a child and really they're getting arrested. So this isn't something that's just a one-off case. We see this over and over again, and and it is a huge issue um, in our community. All right. Now, I didn't mention the specific uh, hotel. It's mentioned in the case. If you want to look it up, you can. But um, I mean, does this happen where it seems to me like the hotel maybe ought to know something? Do, yeah. What do you What do you all see when when this kind of stuff happens? Is it in hotel rooms typically? It is uh, more more and more. Uh, the exploitation is happening online and then in hotels. You used to see a lot more tracks where there's you know uh, street prostitution happening, but yeah, we do see it happening in hotels. And um, I believe hotels need to be held accountable because they are allowing it to happen. And you see the signs. You know when. Um, men uh, are coming in to the same room and you see a young girl with an older, you know, the signs are there. And um, I think we're seeing more and more cases um, against hotel chains and, and, and victims of trafficking are having success um, with those cases. But yes, I think it is clear what's happening in these hotels and um, we need to have more education and awareness so that, that we see it being reported more. So are the hotel owners just kind of turning a blind eye because they're like, Hey, I got the room rented for the next six, seven nights. Yeah. I, I think they, in their minds, you know, it's not me. I'm not doing it. I'm just providing this hotel room. Right. Can Oh, so there's two aspects of that. I want to ask you about, and I hate to put you on the spot because we didn't, talk about this ahead of time but like the can like the hotel be held criminally liable like can they be prosecuted for it or is there not a avenue for that or do you know yeah i mean i know that there are cases that have been successful against the actual hotel chain so yes i 
they yeah. can be held. I'm, I'm not an attorney, so I don't want to <laughs> say the wrong thing, but I think it's, yeah, yeah I would say criminally liable for, okay. um, for facilitating trafficking. For facilitating, yeah. they, because they would be participating in it mm-hmm. if they knew. And they're profiting off of right. the traffickers. So what does somebody look like who's being sex trafficked? I mean, what is the typical thing that somebody needs to be looking out for, you know, if they're trying to identify this? Let's say somebody does work at a hotel. They're like, hey, I don't want to participate in this. I want to make sure, but you know, I appears to be granddad and his granddaughter staying in the room. Should I call the police? What should I do? I mean, how yeah, do what we can they do? Know? Yeah, um, well, we we do have a Georgia statewide hotline. So if you suspect trafficking happening, you can always provide a tip, um, and that goes to the GBI, and they can look into it. Um, when you say we, are you talking about your organization does or like our state does? Uh, the state. The state has does. A, okay. Yeah. Let's um, make sure that we have that all put number, up on the, yeah. on the bottom of the screen. And Frontline, we do operate the um, the line for adult survivors of, of trafficking and exploitation. So, yeah, so how does that work? Like, like, why would they, how do people know to call you and what, if they call you, like, what are they doing? So if they're calling us, um, we get the calls when it's there's a survivor who needs services. So we would um, be able to um, talk with them, see if they're interested in, in coming into our safe home and um, facilitate a rescue to get them into a safe location. Because, I mean, a lot of times it starts when they're like, you know, teens, but then they turn yeah. 17, mm-hmm. 18, and they're still there stuck yes. in the cycle. And that's when it becomes more difficult, like on the criminal defense side, to convince the DA's office that, like, look, this girl's a victim. She's not a criminal. Right. And they're like, ah, she knew what she was doing. She got to run away at any time. Is that true? Can they run away at any time? No. Okay. I think that's the, you know, misunderstanding and the stereotype that, you know, magically when they turn 18, it's their choice and they want to be doing it. The average age of entry into trafficking is 11 to 14 years old. Good wow. God. Wow. So really? this is, yes. So this is happening at a very young age. And then, like you said, they turn 18 and they're still, they're still being trafficked and exploited. And, um, you know, but, it, but you have to, when they're 18, you have to prove the force, fraud and coercion. And I think in the eyes of law enforcement and judges, it, it can be hard to establish that. Yeah, they're like, they, they were are. at a convenience store mm-hmm. before they went to his house, so they could have called the police there. I'm like, it's not that easy. Yeah, and there's, you know, different types of control. Sometimes um, traffickers are very violent and use threats of violence against them, their family. Um, sometimes it's uh, that Romeo pimp where they they really feel like it's their boyfriend and that he loves them, and and, and they start to equate them as you know, I'm doing this for him and they're controlling in that way. Um, and oftentimes they don't even realize that they are a victim of trafficking. They, they don't even know that language. Um, and they think, you know, in their minds, this girl is 16, 15 years old, mm-hmm. um, being trafficked out of a hotel, but she called the, the trafficker, her boyfriend, and she, right. and they're using the language of sex worker in the document, but she's not a sex worker. She's not even old enough to consent to sex. Right. And, and so it, it in her mind, she's, but in her mind it is. Because but in her, her mind, it's just her boyfriend. Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. So going back to that question earlier, like what, um, how do people know if, if, if they're in that situation, like how do they know to call you to call frontline response? 
So we do outreach and um, give our number out um, on, on street outreach. We also, um, you know, have the statewide hotline that gets distributed. It's online. They can, if they search online for a hotline number, they'll find us. But we do have trafficking survivors um, calling us directly as well. But then sometimes it's a um, somewhere else that they're at seeking help and they know to call our number. Um, but we do try to get that um, that number out so that people know that they can call us when they need help. And so when they call you, like what happens? So if they're in a place where they're ready to get help and they want to get out of it, out of their situation, we will talk them through and and, and let them know about the safe home and, and who we are and what we offer. And um, and then we, we arrange a, a rescue team to pick them up in a safe location. So that might be a McDonald's or just somewhere public that they can get away um, and Sometimes um, they're coming to us from jail or from law enforcement. In that case, we we coordinate with that. But then um, they're able to come into our safe home and um, it's it's a beautiful house. We try to make it welcoming and just a peaceful refuge for them. They've been in survival mode for so long. And so we, we offer that kind of safe landing where they um, can rest and um, we provide case management, uh, trauma therapy, um, classes and just support for them as they figure out their next steps and where they want to go. And that's so necessary because a lot of times these handlers or boyfriends or whatever they call themselves are in control of all their money, their mm-hmm. car, their, you know, how they eat, where they go. I mean, they have no other family. That's all they have. And so it's scary for them to feel like they're going to have to leave that. So even though they're being forced into sexual servitude, they don't have, they don't have anywhere else to go. And they've been doing mm-hmm. it since they were 11. Right. right. Yeah, they feel like they have no options. and yeah, At least here I can eat. Mm-hmm. Right. So young ladies, yeah. if your boyfriend is having you have sex with somebody else for money, he's not your boyfriend. He's your handler. And you need to call this young lady. She will help you get out of that situation. That's right. Well, that was a heavy topic, uh, but necessary. We need to talk about these things. Let's. Uh, how can people support what you're doing at uh, Frontline Response? Yeah, so um, we have a lot of opportunities for for volunteers to come and serve on our rescue team. Um, in our safe home, we we have um, women who volunteer in our safe home, and men. You can also volunteer on the rescue team um, and be involved in outreach as well. Um, and if you were asking about how to recognize the signs, um, if you just are wanting to learn more, coming to our volunteer training is a good first step so that you can learn more about the issue, understand the signs to look for, know what to do and how to respond. And then also we'd love for you to volunteer with us. Um, and then also October 5th, we have our freedom reimagined gala and that's, um, gala, that means party. Yes. (laughs) Oh, I like parties. We're going, Dwayne, we're going to that party. I'm going. Yes. Now, do y'all provide any training for like local law enforcement or probation officers so that they can learn these signs too? And I guess even juvenile court. Yeah, yeah, we have done trainings for judges, um, for um, public defenders' offices. We're we're open to do. We've done law enforcement training, so we are definitely happy to um, step in and help educate and partner. in that way. So all my DA friends, she's available. You can get her down there. She can train your folks. Now, you've been really delicate about talking about how we can support. And I and appreciate that. Oh, there are plenty of volunteer opportunities. But frankly, I don't have time. I do have money. And I want, I want to give money to your organization. Like, how do I do that? 
Yeah. So um, we <laughs> we would love financial support as well. It takes a lot of funding to be able to do this work on the front lines. And so um, you can go to our website, frontlineresponse.org, and there's opportunities to give there. If you want to come to the gala, gala and join the party, there's opportunities to give there. Um, but we um, really rely on our community to to provide that funding so that we can do this important work because there are so many victims and survivors that um, need a safe place and, and um, frontline response is serving victims of trafficking and exploitation, but also homelessness and uh, youth prevention as well. So because when they're with you, like you are providing their housing, you know, food, everything, right? Trauma counseling. Yeah. Helping them um, get to that next. And that costs lots of money. It does. Yeah. Yeah. But it's important to do. So the two ways, the three ways that we can help one volunteer two, give our money. Right. Uh, And the, is the QR code that we have, is that for the gala or is that for the, to go to the website? It should be for the gala. For the gala. Okay. So we're going to have the QR code on our, uh, on the bottom of the screen or on the screen someplace where you can um, where you can make a, a uh, reservation to come to the big party. Yes. If you can't afford to buy a whole table, call me. I'll have you at my table. And if we run out of room, we'll buy more tables. Um, but this, the other part of that is to go to the Frontline Response website and donate your money. Even if it's $5, even if it's $50, like support this because... It's the it's the thing that we can do, right? Yep. And for all my Methodist and Baptist friends out there that are going to pray for you, give you money too. I need <laughs> thank your you. money. Exactly so. Well, thank you for joining us uh, again. This has been uh, something we've been wanting to talk about uh, for a long time and, um, and have the good folks at Frontline Response on to talk about. And uh, we do really highly encourage you. Listen, do something about this. It's important. Thank you for coming. Thank you for what you do. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And thank you for joining us. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you do something. Give them some money now. That's right. <laughs> Go do it right now. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time when Bob and Irreverent D talk law. If you or someone you know is in trouble with sex trafficking, call the Frontline Response Out of Darkness Hotline at 404-941-6024.